Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Good to be here with you once again on a day that God has provided for us to know Him in a deeper and more intimate way. If you're joining us for the very first time, Raven, uh, the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies is an outreach ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more in, uh, information on Raven Ministries, you can actually go to our website, which Deb is rapidly placing on the screen at www.biggrace.com. And you can click through the buttons there and find out exactly uh, what goes on with Raven Ministries. If you are involved in the ministry in a particular part of the country, we, we certainly want to know exactly what you're doing. That way we could uh, stand with you in prayer and, and possibly even some involvement at different times. We have chapters uh, literally uh, crisscrossing the United States and into Canada. And if you're doing something and could use some help or some support in that way, we'd love to come and be a part of that. Or if you just want someone to uh, uh, have their prayer team praying for you all the time, we'd love to do that as well. So you can actually email us at raven at biggrace.com and let us know what's going on in your neck of the woods and how we can be of support to you and in prayer and, and whatever it might be in instruction. We would love to, to be a part of what you're doing and not only just have you a part of what we're doing here. And as Deb putting that too. If you have prayer requests, you can actually send them to pray at biggrace.com and we would love to keep you on our prayer list. This this week, if you're listening to us in our live show, we're actually uh, in the midst of a season of fasting and prayer, just believing the Lord Jesus for some miraculous things in 2008. And we're actually, we're here every morning, obviously, from 9 until 10 p.m. Uh, a.m., excuse me, Eastern Standard Time. And in the evening time, uh, through Saturday night, we will be on from 9 until 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for an hour of uh, prayer and intercession, taking your prayer request. And we'd love to lift up those things to the Lord Jesus. We're just believing that in 2008, literally, we're going to see God do some incredible things in His body and in this world as a result of His body really coming to a place of, of holiness and consecration. And I, and I want to say this even as we get into the Word today. You know, one of our, our kind of our motto for this program is you get into the Word of God and the Word of God gets into you. And if the Word of God is getting into you, it should be producing something in you. And what it will produce is the fruit of that word. It will produce something consistent with the, 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 the teaching of this word, the heart of this word, that theonustos, that God-breathed word will come into you. And literally that breath should uh, really animate us towards the things of Christ. It should. We talked about yesterday being activated by the Spirit of God. And as the word gets into you, what it should do is cause us to be that reflective element of Christ Jesus, be that voice of Him in this lost and dying world. And so... That's really what we're committed to, and we're continuing today in the book of Romans. And uh, we're in the eighth chapter we've been. This is class 122, I believe that it is, in the study of the book of Romans. We began last May, and we'll continue in this. And after we're finished with the book of Romans, we'll, uh, God willing, we'll, we'll, we'll grab hold of something else and continue investing in the Word of God. But the key is to invest in you the Word of God so the Word of God can work something out of you. And so our goal is not to sit here and just to fill our head with more knowledge because we know that, 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 that knowledge puffs up. But we know that taking that knowledge that God gives us and allowing it to become wisdom and to be that compelling force in our hearts and lives is what sends us out into a lost and dying world. So what we want to do is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to take those those little things. You know, I don't believe that I've I know everything whatsoever. I know just very, very little. And the and, and the deeper I get into the Word of God, the, the more I realize that I do not know, and the more I realize that I have to be completely dependent upon Him. But if we could just take that little thing that God has entrusted and deposited within us and deposit it within you 
you to hopefully be like a spark. You know, uh, all it takes is one spark to, to light a forest fire. And so if we can be a, a, a spark of revival, spark of, of righteousness in your life through the person of the Holy Spirit operating in us, that's our desire, to equip you for the work of the ministry. You know, I, I preach uh, all, over the, all over the world. I've preached the gospel. But that's not my goal is for me to do it. My goal is for you to do it as well and to take the, the, the experiences and the things that God has entrusted me with and somehow invest those into your life through the teaching of the Word, through praying for you, through encouraging you, through taking you on outreaches, whatever it is that we do as a ministry here, and to see you do great exploits for the kingdom of God. That's when I personally see the fulfillment because I know those are the things that fulfill God. The Word says that, that the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. What we're all about here on a daily basis is increasing those few numbers and saying, God, you know what? If you can give us one or two more, if you can give us three or four more people that are just desperate for souls and desperate for Jesus and are willing to pay the price, that's exactly what we will invest in. So we hope that we're investing in eternity here and not just investing in a, in a few hours or a few hundred hours of Bible study, but we're investing in something that's going to reap dividends, not for your, just your personal study, but for your, your life and the ministry that God has called you to do, whether it's on foreign soil, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your family, and your children or in your neighborhood, wherever it is, we believe that everything we invest through the Word of God is something that can reap eternal uh, dividends for you. Whether you're young, whether you're middle-aged, whether you're old, we believe that right now is a right ta- now time that God is, is really crisscrossing generations, looking for those that He can show Himself strong on behalf of whose hearts are perfect towards Him. So that's what we're here for today. And I thank you so much for your diligence and your faithfulness to be here with us day in and day out. And I pray that God blesses uh, you and uses this time to be a catalyst in your life as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer to ask for His blessing on this time that God would just uh, help us in those areas that we have lack and strengthen us in those areas for those that are sick and in, in their bodies. We want to pray for you and believe that during this time that God brings just a healing and restoration upon your life as well. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this tremendous opportunity, Lord God, to come into your presence, Lord God, to know you, Lord God, in an intimate and powerful way, Lord Jesus, to see you work in our lives. Lord God, I, I just thank you on a personal level, Lord God, for, for this, this season, Lord God, a, a season of, of, of diligently seeking your face, Lord God, in, in your word. Even the season of this teaching of in the book of Romans, Lord God, this has been a tremendous season, Lord God. I know not just for those that are the recipients of it, but for me, Lord God, who's, who you've uh, entrusted to be the deliverer of this, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit. I know it's just been a tremendous season. And Lord God, we know that these seasons, Lord God, seasons that, that, that will bring forth a harvest, a harvest in our lives. And, and Father, just like a, times of fasting and intercession or times of, uh, of detoxification, even in the physical realm, Lord God, we know that it's also a time of detoxification in the spirit spiritual realm. And Lord God, as we study the word, as we seek you in prayer and in intercession, Lord God, we ask, Lord God, that you would remove those toxins, those spiritual toxins from our hearts and lives, Lord God, whether it's doubt and unbelief or fear or unforgiveness, Lord God, or some unconfessed and unrepentant of sin. Lord Jesus, we want those things that are that are uh, toxic to us, toxic to our faith, toxic to our hope, toxic to our destinies, Lord God, to be removed from our, our, our spirits, Lord Jesus. And we just ask, Lord God, for, for, for your prayer, your, your, your intercession, Lord God, to be made realized in us, because we know that Jesus is our intercessor, and He's the one interceding on our behalf, and the one that watches over us and neither sleeps nor slumbers. And Father, I pray for those that are physically sick in their, their bodies today, Lord Jesus. I pray for those that have been battling the flu or colds, Lord God, or some other 
other more serious ailment, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God, that all of those things, Lord God, stand weak and helpless, Lord God, against the, the, the power of the blood of Jesus. And Father, I just declare your blood, Lord God, over every person, Lord God, that's suffered from any type of catastrophic illness or debilitating injury, Lord Jesus, or any type of virus or, or bacteria or infection in their physical body, Lord God. Anyone, Lord God, that's been suffering, Lord God, from, from, from back problems or intestinal problems, Lord God, or respiratory problems or neurological problems, Lord God, or, or headaches or whatever it may be in the name of Jesus. Father, we're asking, Lord God, that those things would be arrested right now in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray, Lord God, in faith today, Father, asking, Lord God, for the manifest miraculous miracles of God to begin to take place, Lord God, in a very tangible and real way, Lord God. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that it's not by our might nor by our power, but it's by your Spirit, says the Lord God of hosts. And I'm believing today, Lord God, that you are doing a change and a transformation in hearts and lives, Lord God. You are, Lord God, tearing down strongholds, Lord God, and you are setting uh, free the captives, Lord God, because you love us. And your desire for us, Lord God, is for, for, for righteousness, Lord God, and power and peace, Lord God, to be made known in our life. It's all motivated because of God's great love for us that he would send his son Jesus, Lord God, to die such a terrible death upon the cross. But three days later, he rose from the dead and he now sits at the right hand of glory, Lord God, continuously making intercession on our behalf. And Father, we thank you today, Lord God, that you're here with us, that we're not uh, looking for some ambiance, Lord God, or having to jump through some spiritual hoops, Lord God, but you're present with us, Lord God, when we call upon your name. And we thank you, Lord God, for the leading of your spirit. We thank you for the empowerment, Lord God of your word in our life. We thank you, Lord God, that it has become the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. And Father, we just ask for your uh, your, your your wisdom today, Lord Jesus. I ask, Lord God, I, I declare that in and of myself I have no ability, Lord God. But I thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that you've called me as, the, the, uh, uh, as a messenger, Lord God, of your word today, and that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 3.16, Lord God. And that, Father, we have a voice, Lord God, that it resonates, Lord God, with the, with the word of God and with the word of truth. And I submit myself to you, Lord God, in humility and ask you, Lord God, to just quicken my words, Lord Jesus, that they'd be anointed, Lord God, that they would be uh, uh, intelligible, Lord God, that people could hear and understand, Lord God, what you would speak today, that they could take it, Lord God, and run with it, Lord God, because it's been made plain, Lord God, in the Spirit. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen, 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 and amen. Once again, I just want to welcome you and thank you so much for being with us uh, and encourage you too. Do not forget to send in those prayer requests because we want to just believe God. I'm believing 2008. I think there's some certain things that, that, that really this is kind of a... It's kind of really been a catalyst for just me really just in, 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 uh, going before the Lord Jesus and saying, God, what is it that you're wanting to do in our hearts and lives in this late hour? And, you know, I'm not a person that, that, that goes around uh, teaching or speaking a whole lot of end-time prophecy and any of these type of things. But I can go out and look at the clouds and tell when it's going to rain. I know what the Word of God says. And, and I know that the, that the testimony of Jesus is indeed the spirit of prophecy. And so I believe that we are definitely living in the last days. We're living in, whether those last days are a few days, a few hours, a few weeks, a few months, even a few years. I'm, I'm, I don't pretend to know those things, but I know uh, without a doubt that we're standing literally on the threshold of eternity. And, and, and I want to be ready on a personal level. I, I don't want there to be found any guile in me. I don't want there to be found anything that would, uh, that would prevent me from coming into that place of, of knowing Him in a powerful and intimate way and for Him to look into my life and say, well done, my good." faithful servant. But I don't not only want that for myself, but I want that for you. And so uh, as we come to the Word of God, you know, and we've studied, you know, certain things are very evident. I believe that in this coming year, 2008, and, and I believe this is really 
studying the Word is a catalyst for that. That God is really demanding and calling His people to a greater level of consecration and in, uh, in holiness. You know, the Word tells us to follow peace and holiness with all men, without which we will not see the Lord Jesus. And I believe part of that is taking these seasons of, of fa- prayer and fasting and just allowing the Word of God just to, to be made real to you, meditating upon those things day and night. And I believe what God is wanting to do is just bring us to a place of, of just a deeper intimacy. That it's not just going to be a, a intimacy on display, but it's going to be those those times of intimacy in our hearts and lives that are inexplicable or, 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 or you can't even, you, there's no words for them, but it's just that still small voice and the quietness of God's uh, Spirit in, in, in our lives operating in us. And, and I believe that that's what God wants to birth. You know, we see in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul the Apostle tells us to pray without ceasing. You know, uh, I, I want that, that, that voice of God constantly to be inside of me and constantly be praying and seeking Him and listening to Him. And folks, I think what you're going to find too in this coming year is that that your pray without ceasing is not just our endless petitions before God saying, God, here's what I want, here's what I want, here's what I want, and God bless me, bless me, bless me. But I think what, 2008, I think what God, I know for me, and I I hope hope it's uh, uh, synonymous with you, is that God, not so much as my prayers become, God, uh, this is what I want, I want, I want, but God, what do you want? What is your desire? What is your heart, Lord God? I want uh, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, I I, I want to decrease Lord God, there's there's nothing that, that I desire, Lord Jesus, besides you and your presence, Lord God. I want to see the fulfillment of your will, Lord God, in my life. And just a, a hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And so I believe that God is, is, is using really a kind of a catalytic element of his word in this hour and this time, season of, of prayer and fasting to really birth something in folks. And so that is my prayer and my hope for you is that, that really your 2008 will be totally different in respect to uh, your expectancy in the things of God and your uh, your dedication and faithfulness to the things of God. That it won't be something that is just uh, uh, temporary. It won't be something that is just uh, periodic. But it's going to be a daily thing. you know. And we give us this day our daily bread. That God, we want to come before you and not just for an hour-long Bible study or just a devotion or anything else. But God, listen, I need you to come in and be my sustenance on a second-by-second, minute-by-minute basis. And I want you to be the, the, the air I breathe. I want you to be the words that I speak. I want you to be my heartbeat. I want you to be my life. Lord God, I want you to be that illumination that's before me, Lord. Jesus. I want those things. And so that's my, my prayer and my hope for you this morning as well. So I just pray that those things are, are, are seen in your life and that you begin to, to, to realize those promises of God as well. And so uh, we're going to begin once again with uh, the book of Romans uh, chapter 8. Chapter 8 of the book of Romans. And really looking on verse 30. I touched on it just for a second yesterday. And I believe it was Scotty up in Pennsylvania that said, are we going to talk about that a little more? And yeah, we, we are. I said a little bit, but you know how my little bits are. And you know, the day is unto the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years is unto the day. And, and so uh, we'll probably get a little bit, little bit more into it. But I, I believe that there's some things in verse 30 that you probably really uh, need to know and probably some misconceptions about some things as well that, uh, that, that the body of Christ, I, I believe, has probably missed. And as a result of missing it, you've probably missed out on some of the promises and some of the uh, the truths that God wants to have in that. So, like I said in our last class, we, in, in verse... Uh, uh, Verse 30 of Romans 8, we spent really probably the better part of our, our discussion yesterday in verse, uh, uh, in verse 30, and I'm going to be in, thir- in 31 today, uh, really talking about two primary things that Paul the Apostle was trying to convey to the church. First, that the call of God, and you'll remember this from your notes, the call of God to come is a universal call. 
that actually began long before man's transgression against God's righteousness in the Garden of Eden. And so in, in the reason I say that, that God's universal call began so much even before the fall. And you may say to yourself, well, that kind of seems strange that God would even have to call us before the fall. No, God knows and, and is knowing. You see the mercy of God over 50 times in the Old Testament alone. And now we're talking about the Old Testament when, when people that the very best possible scenario was the law of sin and death. <clears throat> that God had given the instruction of the moral law of Moses. And, and really it was, here's what you do and you'll, you'll live. And if you don't do these things, you'll die. And so at the, in the very best possible scenario, God gave uh, the law of Moses. But even in that, over 50 times in the Old Testament alone, He said God is good and His mercy endures forever. And so even prior to the cross, God's mercy was being extended. So if God's seen that over 50 times in the Old Covenant, man, can you imagine just the, 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 the extent of the mercy of God? And God loved the world, a world that had rejected Him, a world that had, had walked into rebellion, a world that had, had, had not kept His promises and his, in the premises of His Word, in a world that literally had despised Him. God loved the world so much. He loved a people that had rejected Him, a people that had adopted the, the mentality literally of the sin nature, but He loved us so much. And so it shows that. And because of that mercy... God had made provision way beforehand to, to provide. And Revelation 13.8 tells us that. Because Jesus, it says in Revelation 13.8, that Jesus is that lamb that was slain even before the foundations of the world. And so if he was slain before the foundations of the world, mercy was already in place in, 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 in respect to the fall of man. And so man fell, but God had already... It's kind of like if you've ever been to one of these, uh, these uh, circus and you see the trapeze act. You know, they're doing all these death-defying things and, and they're all elevated in the air. So your eyes are always up, up top. And, you know, many times those, those acts, those high-wire acts, are, are people that are families. You know, it's the amazing whatever family. And so it's this family that's in there and you see all these wonderful things that this family is doing. They're catching each other and all these things. But you know what allows them to have that confidence? When they look down and they see that net down below them. And so that, that grandfather that taught, that, that taught his grandson how to do this trapeze act, and he's telling his grandson, you need to, to let loose of that and believe that I'm going to catch you. He can say that because he knows down below that they've already went and they've already uh, uh, put the, the, the net below them to catch them in case of a mishap. And folks, that's exactly what God has done for us. When he brought his children into the garden, when he created Adam and Eve, he brought them. But even before the foundation, literally, of those elevated places, of that place that, that they walked with him, he had provided the safety net of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. A promise that was already there. In case their hands slipped, in case they, they, they walked into rebellion and, and they, they, they toppled, that they wouldn't topple to their death. It wouldn't be the destruction of all of God's creation, but God would provide a way of escape. And so that call, literally, that, that came, the call of God came and it's a universal call. But that call was given a voice, and we talked about this yesterday in Genesis 3.9, when God called uh, out to hiding Adam and Eve and He said, Where are you? And so that, that universal call call began immediately upon literally, the, as we use that analogy, their hands slipping from the trapeze and, and falling. He began to call out. So that call was given its voice in, in Genesis 3.9, but that call was given a name in Matthew 1.21. And it says, You shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so just as the, it was given a voice in, in Genesis 3.9 when God spoke out to Adam and Eve, it was given a name in Matthew 1.21. And, and folks, listen to that. That, that call's 
name is Jesus. Jesus is, is calling us to Himself. He's calling a people. He, he's calling a, 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 a church. He's calling a bride to Himself. And even as we talked about yesterday from the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation, verse 17, He says, even quickly, and even the bride says, come. That, that, that voice of God is calling out with that name Jesus, saying, come unto me, you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come unto me. Come and drink. If you're thirsty come, and you, you're a thirst, come. And He says, and whoever comes unto me, and I will no wise cast out. So that the, the, the name of that call is Jesus. And so, but not only that, it didn't stop with just a voice and a name, but that call was also uh, given a messenger in Luke 14.23. And it says, And the Lord said unto his servant, He said, Go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. And so folks, listen, it's not enough for the call just to have a voice. It's not even enough for the call to have a, a name. The call has got to have a messenger. And I believe that in this right now that God is calling out messengers of that call. You and I are those messengers to a, a, a desperate, darkened world. And once again, that desperate, darkened world might be that person that, that, that sits in the desk across from you at work or that person that, that works in that factory with you or in that warehouse or that, that, that neighbor across the fence. And that desperate and darkened world may be there. It may be on foreign soil. It may be, in, in, it may be standing in a, in, a, in a pulpit of a... Of a, of a dead, dry church, but God has given you that, that responsibility to be that messenger of that call. And, that, and, that, and with that responsibility comes a tremendous obligation to be obedient. You know, where much is given. And folks, listen, I don't care who you are, I don't care what your, your, the task is that God has had you put your hand to, much has been given. God has given you much mercy. God has given you much grace. God has afforded you much power through the person of His Holy Spirit. And with that much giving, there's such a much requirement that I believe that God is beginning to birth and to begin to expose and to reveal to each and every one of us to a greater degree. Regardless of what you've seen in the past, I believe that there's going to become a heightened awareness of just the things that God has entrusted us. And when there's an awareness, I believe that then there's a we, we begin to see the obligation of those things and we walk in the fulfillment of, of that call. And secondly, uh, you know, first of all, the call was a call a call to come and it was universal. That second uh, thing that we talked about is a call is a call not merely to someone, but to something. And that this something is a place of justification and glorification. So God has not just called us to someone being His Son, but He's called us to a place of justification and glorification. Folks, listen. Coming to the someone of Jesus involves coming to a life reflective of the characteristics of Jesus. And so if I'm coming to, to to, to him, to someone, I'm coming to something. And I'm coming to that, that life that's going to be reflective of what he's done for me. The righteousness of God, the peace of God, the deliverance of God, the holiness of God. And I'm coming to that glorification which, which has to do with the promises of God, not just in the now, but in eternity literally, that I'm going to rule with him according to Revelation chapter 1 as kings and priests. And so, I believe when you get a hold of that, that part of it uh, of, of verse 30, then you can get a hold of this next verse, which is what we're going to talk about right now, which is Romans 8 31 in detail. And here's what it says in Romans 8.31. Once again, you know, when I say it, and we talked about it yesterday, it's something that you can quote. And you said so many times to yourself, maybe not even understood it, and you used it out of context. And all that's good and fine, because we're going to de- uh, really uh, dig into it a little bit deeper today. And he says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And I want to look at those one, two, three, four, five first words. It says, What shall we say then, and if you've got your Bible right there, and if, and it's not, if you don't think it's a, some type of a thing that's in opposition to the word, circle that word then right there, you know. That word then, pardon? 
Yours says two or two. What, what shall we say? She's got a different translation. I'm looking at the King James today. And so what shall we say then or what shall we say as a result of? I don't know what your translation is. And so, but what does it mean? And really this is the key. What does it mean when it says, what shall we say then? Folks, this is something that most people just simply do not understand in the body of Christ. We've heard Romans 8.31 and quoted it, it so many times, like I said, out of context. And for so long it's been used kind of as our blanket endorsement by God to really cover us in any situation that we're in, regardless of how we're, we're living or how, how we're walking. And folks, it just cannot be that way. Because before he said, if God be for us, who can be against us? He also said, what shall we say, uh, 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 say uh, what shall we then say to these things? And folks, listen, I, I don't care what, what anyone says or thinks, because if, uh, you know, and this is what people said, and, and this is not me saying, this is the kind of a quote I hear, I've heard people say. They said things like, I don't care what anybody says, I don't care what anybody thinks, because if God is for me, who can be against me? I don't care what your opinion is of me. I don't care anything. I don't care if you tell me I'm walking in unrighteousness because if God be for me, who can be against me? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't care if you're telling me that I need to give up the drugs, the alcohol, the, the, the sexual promiscuity because if God be for me, who can be against me? And you know, I, I hear ridiculous things like that said all the time. And you know, it almost as though it's some type of, it's like God operates under some type of spiritual nepotism. And it's that He just overlooks how you're living, behaving just because you're His child. That there's some type of, uh, uh, that, that there's, there's some type of thing that you have and it's kind of this, this blanket that endorsement by God. Folks, listen, that, that in itself could be no further uh, from the truth. The fact that, that one would, could identify themselves with the name of Jesus immediately increases the requirements of following Him rather than decreasing the requirements. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, you know, if, if I say that, that God is for me, if I say that I'm, I'm living Him, it doesn't give me a, a license to do whatever I want to do. What it does, it gives me the responsibility and the, and the requirement to walk after the nature of Christ Jesus. So if you're with us this morning, whether live or on a delayed uh, broadcast, listen, folks, listen, when, when you say you belong to Christ Jesus, when you identify yourself with a Christian, as a Christian, what you're saying is, God, I want to come after the, the, the elevated requirements of holiness and righteousness that you have. If I want to put on the, the name of Christ, then I've got to put on the call of Christ, that call to justification, that call to holiness, that call to sanctification. And, and if I'm not willing to put those things off, what I just need to say is, you know what, God, I'm, I, I'm really not in you. I'm, I'm really wanting to be there, but I'm not there yet. Let's just call it what it is and say, you know, if you want to use the term of the modern church, listen, I'm just, I'm just a seeker, but you haven't found, you know. And, but we've got to come to that place of finding Him and to be, being found in Him, the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Folks, listen, I think because we probably, as a ministry of Raven Ministries International, we've been so actively involved in evangelism and soul winning and street ministry and all, whatever you want to term it, uh, missions, for so many years we've had to deal with that type of mentality uh, hundreds if not thousands of times and people have, have been told by pastors they've been told by ministers they've been told by, by churches because you walked an aisle or because you got saved or because you got baptized it, it, it makes you the head and it makes you not the tail it makes you the first and not the last and you're blessed and not cursed that you're the lender and not the borrower you're the leader and not the follower and they'll say things like that and they'll say you know listen I don't care what you caught me in or whatever I'm the, I'm the head and not the tail and all these type of things because some pastor or some minister or some televangelist whatever it might be it's instructing them a 
book they read or just their own uh, deceit. But folks, listen, it's, it's almost as if it created some type of Christian entitlement mentality that is not consistent with the Word of God. Folks, listen, while all of those promises may be true, while we are the head and not the tail, the first and not the last, the, the blessed and not the cursed, the lender and not the bar, and the, the leader and not the, the follower, while all those things may be very true, those promises are conditional upon the what shall we say then of Romans 8.30's call to walk in the fruit of justification and in the spirit of glorification. Do you hear what I'm saying? Those things are. Those promises are yea and amen. God is not slack concerning His promises. We know all those truths. But they are conditional upon what it says in this verse that we're talking about today. What shall we say then? How, how can we say we're those things? How can we say that we're entitled to those promises? It's because we've backed up a verse and we've allowed the Spirit of God to come in, the fruit of justification, the fruit of sanctification, the promises of glorification, that expectant end that God has for us to, to be uh, 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 known in our lives on a, on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. And folks, listen, I, I believe what's happening is, is most people don't want to walk in that conditional uh, element of verse 30. They just want to walk in that promise of verse 31, if God be for me, who can be against me? But, it's, but we can't know that. What shall we say then? What shall we say as a result of our obedience and holiness and faithfulness to God. And really what you'll see that, you'll see it in the, dif- uh, the kind of the difference between David and, and his brother and, and his brother uh, Eliab. And what happened is, you know, Eliab thought to himself, you know, I'm the oldest son of Jesse and, 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 and he's the youngest, so I'm entitled to the best place. I'm entitled to the best position. I'm entitled to the best provision. But he never got the meaning of, Eliab never got the meaning of what shall we say then. What shall we say? He, and so he just walked around like many modern day Christians quoting and reciting and confessing. But he never lived the word of God allowing himself to be transformed into a different way of, of viewing his relationship with God. And so David would, 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 was one after God's own heart. He was one that would say, God, you know what? I want you to search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way within me. And that ought to be the heart of the believer. One after God's own heart. God says, God, listen. I want you to look inside of me. Lord God, I am worth nothing. In my flesh dwells nothing. No good thing. And in sin have I been conceived in my mother's womb. And Lord God, you desire truth in the inward parts according to Psalms 51. That's the heart rather than the the heart of Iliad that says, you know what, listen, I'm entitled to something. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. And I'm the first and not the last. And and because of who I am and because of the aisle I walked or because of the church or the ministry that I belong to. Folks, listen, that is such a, a, a devastating and detrimental thing that has come into the body of Christ over several generations. We've got to have that heart of David that says, God, I'm calling out to you and, 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 and I want you to look deep inside of me. Anything that's there, Lord God, that would stand in opposition to your presence, Lord God, that would not allow the, the flow of your power, that would impede your progress in doing the work in my life, Lord God, I want those things to be made manifest and known. That's where we've got to come by. And folks, listen, that's largely why the, the unregenerate or the lost world despises most Christians. Why? Because there's been many people that have gone out there with an entitlement mentality and, and they, they've gone to people and they haven't lived that walk of justification of sanctification of righteousness before God and they've gone out making all these declarations and, and, and so rather than a, a, a Christianity that lays its life, its life down basically it's one that, that, is, that, is, that is not bold but it's belligerent it's not looking to be righteous but just always looking to be right and, and those lines have been blurred but I believe that God in 2008 is calling his church back to that place of holiness and consecration and without spot or blemish because that's the type of church that he's desiring to come back to and you know David even the, the 
one that would experience that, later experienced it in his own life and in his own kingdom with his sons Absalom and Solomon. You know, Solomon had that type of uh, uh, mentality. He thought that, that it was his right, that it was his responsibility to wrest the kingdom from his aged father. Then, then you had a Solomon who possessed the type of wisdom that, that God wanted. He had the call and the responsibility that God placed upon him to actually lead the kingdom. So folks, what we're going to see, and I think what you see in Christianity, is that there's one that walks in the power of self-promotion, and there's one that walks in the power of self-denial. And it's really, we've got to ask ourselves this in 2008. Have I been walking in the power of self-promotion? Do I want to walk in, you know what, if God be for me, who can be against me? Without what shall we say then? Without doing that. And so if I'm saying if God be for me, who can be against me? If I'm not walking in what God has instructed, if I'm not seeking Him, if I'm walking in bondages, if I'm, I'm walking in these things that have, have, these sins that have so easily beset me, that is, that is walking in the power of self-promotion. And self-promotion at best is only going to pr- produce self-righteousness. And self-righteousness at its best is only going to produce filthy rags. Filthy rags at their best are only going to produce the judgment of God upon your life. And so if I move, I need to move from the power of self-promotion to the place of power of self-denial. And so when I deny myself, and, when, and, and even as, it, back to Psalms 51, he said, you know what, God, you do not, does not desire uh, sacrifice. He said, unless I would give it, David said. He said, but what you desire, the sacrifices of God are in him, a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, or self-denial. God, listen, I know that I don't have the power, I don't have the strength, Lord God, that I've I failed you on every turn, but Lord God, I'm coming to you, and I have a willing heart, Lord Jesus. I'm emptying myself of myself. I'm being like, like, like John was. And I'm saying, God, I've got to decrease in 2008, Lord God. There was just too much of me still yet to be found as the clock struck midnight, Lord God, on the 31st of December in 2007. There was just too much of me that came into the new year, Lord God. I don't want to ring in another year with my, in walking in the flesh, Lord God. That I want to, I want to walk the next 12 months, Lord God, if, if you would tarry uh, under the direction and the leading and the consecration and the self-denial of my flesh, Lord God. I want the Spirit of God to increase with me in faith. Lord God, in consecration and in holiness and in power and in truth, Lord God. I want that to be my, my heart's cry, Lord God. I want that to be the call. What shall I say then? Then when I say that, folks, I can come to that place of, 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 of being able to declare if God is for me, who can be against me? So I'll ask you the question, which one have you been walking in? And, and have you been walking in the what shall we say then? Are you walking in that entitlement mentality that says, listen, I walked an aisle, I walked a, I got baptized or I joined a church or whatever, so I'm entitled to these things without allowing Christ Jesus to come in. So what shall we say then? What shall we say when? When we realize, folks, listen, when this world is not our home, when we realize that, that, that uh, because uh, He was hated, then we're hated. And so, folks, listen, if I want to go back to that place in verse 31 that says, if, if God be for me, who can be again? What shall we say when? What shall we say then when we come to that realization? Folks, listen, this existence that we're now in, all these things right here are one day going to be gone. This house and this studio that I'm in today, this table that I'm before, these, these, these microphones and this, this, this laptop that's in front of me, all these things are going to be gone. All these things in the scope of eternity are merely an illusion. These are all temporal things. And if I'm going to come to that place and that realization of verse 30, what shall we say then? When I realize that this is not my goal, my position is not my goal, that promotion at work is not my goal, or, or that, that person that you're in pursuit of and that relationship is obviously not your goal, or that, that raise is not your goal, or that new car is not your goal, or that, or that title in front of your name is not your goal, or that next uh, uh, degree in higher education is not your goal. 
But the world, I've got to come to this place that realizing this world is not my home. And also come to the place that, that, in realizing that, listen, if Jesus was hated, if He was despised, then I'm going to be hated and despised. That woe to me when all men should speak, speak well of me. And blessed am I when men should revile me and persecute me and speak all manner of evil against me falsely. That, that so they persecuted the, the, the prophets who were before us. It says to be rejoiced and be, uh, uh, be greatly excited. To greatly rejoice because great is my reward in heaven. When I realize that, that this life is just a vapor and that we are going to suffer persecutions in this life. That many are the afflictions of the righteous. That the way of eternal life is a narrow way. That he chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. That he confuses the he chooses the weak things to overcome the mighty. That his strength is made perfect in weakness. That to obey is always better than to sacrifice. And we're to follow that peace and that holiness with all men, because if, if that's the only way that we can expect to see them. And so, folks, unless we declare those things, unless we declare that we've understood those things, what shall we say then? When we come to that realization, you will never be able to declare, "If God be for me, who can be against me?" And, and rightfully so, and to be able to declare that with a with a with a, a confidence in what the word says, unless you can back up and realize those other things. And yes, you're going to go through, you're going to suffer tribulation, but those things are not your focal point. Those things are not your promises. Those things are not even in your concern. If God be for us, because you will have a if you don't come to that first, what's going to happen is you're going to have a twisted viewpoint of, of what God is for, and, and and really what you will be greatly deceived into thinking that God is 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 is, is ever for anything unrighteous. Righteous. God is always for righteousness, and He's always stands in opposition for those things that are in unrighteousness. You know, think about Ecclesiastes two twenty six. It says this: For God giveth to the man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner He just gives travail. And so, if I say, "If God be for me, who can be against me?" That means that I'm walking in, in His wisdom, that I'm walking in His holiness, and I'm walking in in His joy. But if I'm walking in sin, if I'm walking in in in, in missing the mark and the the, the the righteous disposition that God is given me by spirit, all that I can expect is travail. I can't expect God to be for me if I'm not with Him and I'm not obeying the things that God says. First Peter four seventeen and nine through nineteen instructs us in this. It says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begin first at us, what shall the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, what shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit to keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing, as unto God a faithful Creator. Folks, what is he saying? He says, listen, the time is coming where God is going to begin to look at His church. And I believe that that time is now. And, and I talked about that as we opened today's program. That I believe that 2008 is going to be a year that God is coming back in, in judgment. When I say judgment, I don't believe it. I don't, I'm not talking about a judgment of, 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 of damnation. I'm talking about a judgment of consecration. One that is coming and bringing a refinement into His people. Not one that is going to offer the, the final edict and says, watch out, you're, you're cast out. No, I believe that what God is doing is He's, he's bringing that, that judgment. He's bringing that place so we we can look inside of our lives because of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and say, God, there's some things that I need to deal with in this year. But I believe in that what we're going to see is a greater power resonating from His church. And when I say church, folks, I'm not talking about brick and mortar. Do I believe that, uh, that, that brick and mortar is something that's viable? Yeah, absolutely. You know, buildings are great and all those things, but that's not the church. We are the church as His dwelling place. And so I believe that what God is going to do is bring up empowerment back to His people, to His church. Whether that's you out there ministering to a homeless 
homeless man on a street corner having church or whether that's you standing before a congregation or in your home fellowship or at work or whatever, being the, the voice of the church, I believe that God is bringing with that consecration, He's going to begin to bring a power. And I believe that that power is going to be made manifest according to Mark chapter 16 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and other places throughout the Scripture, Acts 1 and 8 and Acts chapter 2 and first, uh, verse 4 and 227 and different places throughout the Word of God, that that power is going to be made known literally to confirm the preaching of the gospel. First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 14. That we're going to see that the, the gospel be made manifest in power. That we're going to see the words of knowledge and the words of wisdom. We're going to see the working of miracles and faith. We're going to see the, the uh, uh, works of healing. We're going to see uh, prophecy and, in, and tongues and interpretation of tongues. We're going to see those things made manifest, but not as the some dog and pony show for quote-unquote the church, but as a testimony of the consecration and holiness. And I don't believe it's going to be relegated to the, some big name. I don't believe it's going to be relegated to that. But I believe who God's going to use. He's going to use that, that young person that gets a hold of Jesus say, God, look at me. I don't know anything. I, haven't, I, I don't have the, 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 the pedigree of someone else. But Lord God, I have the passion for you and of righteousness. So that person that's, that's been through some severe things in their life, they've had many failures, but they've got a hold of the blood of Jesus. And they've said, God, I'm going to seek you with all of my heart. And God is going to use them. They're going to begin to speak that word with clarity. Not in some weirdness. Not in some seeking after some, some strange manifestation, but seeking after the peculiarity of righteousness in their life that's going to demonstrate a purity of power. Not in signs and lying wonders that are going to see many, but in those things that are going to demonstrate and are going to accompany the holiness of God in the preaching of the gospel. And folks, listen, I believe that when we see those things, that when this judgment comes into the house of the Lord, what He's going to do is He's going to have a people that He can trust with those things. And folks, listen, that's really what it comes down to. God is bringing us to an hour, I believe, of consecration and holiness so He can deposit additional things in us for this last push into eternity. To, to enable us to be more effective in our witness, to be more effective in our walk, to be more effective in our relationships, to be more effective in those places these places to. You know, and to bring us to be more effective, we first got to come to that place, what shall we say then? What shall we say, Lord God, when I understand I'm going to go through some things, I understand that I'm going to have to endure some things, I understand that I'm going to have to repent for some things, I'm going to have to turn for some things, Lord God. As your bride, I'm going to have to do those things. And I'm going to have to suffer according to the will of God. I'm going to have to, to be willing to, to, to allow those things. Folks, listen. This suffering that he's talking about here, though, is, is the willingness to undergo the, the, the refinement that justification and, and, and glorification bring into one's life. Are you willing to suffer the things that God has for you? Are you willing to, to, to suffer the refinement? Are you willing to go through the things and to be exposed? To, 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 to have those things that one day would want to rise up and, and, and kill you, that sin nature? Are you willing to go through those things to see the power of God be made manifest in your life? If you're willing to do that, I guarantee that this year is going to be your year. This is going to be your opportunity to come to that place. If God be for us, who can be against us? Folks, listen. This in itself, when it says that, is not just some blanket uh, free pass from facing difficulty. But in reality, it's probably the exact opposite. And so we hear so many times, and I've brought this up this morning, you know, people say, if God be for me, who can be against me? In other words, you don't want to say anything against me, you don't want to talk against me, don't touch my anointed, don't do my prophet no harm, and you can't touch me, you can't say anything, and I'm not going to have to go through difficulty. Folks, listen, it's, it's really the exact opposite of what most people try to apply. Folks, listen, righteousness will always put you in a place of opposition much more than, in, than unrighteousness. Really. 
When you're walking in righteousness, it's not going to put you in a place where everything's going to be greasy and everything's going to be smooth and you're going to have a wonderful plan and a wonderful life and it's going to be these easy steps and you're going to experience all these good things. Listen, that is what unrighteousness produces. You know, we, we look at the, the, the unrighteous and they're always glorying in their folly. They're always uh, being merry and given to drink and they're always experiencing those type of things. There's no opposition for that because that's the way the world flows. But when you begin to walk in righteousness, righteousness will set Sets you at odds against the unrighteousness of the flow of the world. When I'm walking in righteousness, it will literally put me in a place. I will become not in a, only a place of opposition. I will be a person in opposition against the mainstream. And so what righteousness will do, folks, and I want to say this, righteousness, the reason it does is because righteousness will always set you at odds against the mainstream or the majority. And so if you're walking in righteousness, you will not be walking in the mainstream. And so if you're saying to yourself, listen, what I'm doing, how I'm walking is in the mainstream, it's probably not righteousness. And if, if, if you're receiving the accolades of, of the majority, the chances are it's not righteousness because the, the, the majority hated Jesus and the majority will hate you because of Christ in you, the hope of glory or the hope of glorification in this case. And so, but what righteousness will do is cause your vantage point to change. It won't, it won't take you out of a place of opposition, but it will cha- it change your vantage point in regards to the opposition. And so what will happen is you will cease to be focused on that which opposes you and you will instead focus on the one who has promised to glorify you. Do you hear me? And so when when you come to that place of of what shall we say then, and you begin to make that declaration of God before me, listen folks, it's not going to change. I'm not going to say it might not change because it will not change. It will not change your situation. It will not change your opposition. But it will change how you view your situation. It will change how you overcome your situation. It will change the vantage point wherein you see all those things that you're having to endure. endure, Because your focus will change. Your focus will, will, will be upon the promises of God that I've been justified and God I know that I'm going to be glorified in you. If, if God be for us, who can be against us? It's not meant literally to be a statement that serves to keep you from trials and tribulations, but rather it's to give you a testimony that says in view of the fact that I'm now glorified in Christ Jesus, that I am now by the promises of God seated with Him in heavenly places, that, that, that whatever there is in this world that would stand against me in the natural is literally going to be like a flea on my face in comparison to the spiritual. And folks, listen, I hope that you can get a hold of that in this coming year. That, that what you see in the natural, that it's going to be something that is so minute. It's going to be something that is not going to affect you. It's going to be like a flea on your face. That it's going to be distracting at times. It may irritate you at times. and It, it may even cause you to have to swat at it at times. But in reality, it's no threat to you. It's no threat to your destiny. It's no threat for your promises whatsoever. And you need to begin to see that. And here's what my prayer is for you and for myself, and I hope you'd pray this for me, that God, I begin to see my opposition. I begin to see my trials as you see those things. You would just see those as the, the gnat or the fly or the flea on my face. It's just something that, that's going to may distract me at times, but listen, I know that it is nothing that is a threat to me. It's not a threat to the promises that what you're going through. Maybe you're going through a difficulty in a relationship. It is no threat to your destiny. 
Maybe you're going through a, a difficulty in finances. It is no threat to your destiny. Maybe you're having some, some health concerns right now. Folks, listen, it is no threat to your destiny. Maybe it's some, some trouble in, in, in where you're at environmentally or whatever it is. It is no threat to your destiny. It, can it be distracting? Can it be irritating? Absolutely. Swat at it. Go on and know that, that it, it is not anything that's going to stand and going to hold you back from the place that God has for you in Him. These are just momentary uh, uh, obstacles along the way that we're going to press through those things because we know that right now we're just living in a temporal existence, but there is something that God has set before us, that joy that is God has set before us and we're enduring even these things. Is He enduring the, during the shame of the cross that I can endure the things and the trials that are set before me? Why? Because my vantage point has changed. And if if, if, if so then, if we, 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 we've done those things, if we've experienced those things, if we know those things, then I can declare that if God be for me, who can be against me? Folks, listen. On, 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 on the best day, my problems, all they can present to me is a little bit of inconvenience. At best. Listen, whatever you're going through, it's, it's, it's best chance at you is this inconvenience. Folks, if God is for you, who can be against you? Oh, really, and let me personalize this. You know, I, I think about times like that where you, you go through things and they, they seem so irritating. They seem so distracting. They, they seem like the things that will cause you have to constantly swat at those things. And fall. You know, I, I know even in, in ministry myself, you know, many times when you step out and you begin to do the things that God has directed you to do, that you'll be faced with, with opposition. Every single time that you will be faced with opposition. And, and sometimes even ridicule. And people that are that even good intentioned people. I want to say that. There's people that are good intentioned, people that may love you. You know, maybe you, I, I know I'm sitting here in the studio and Deb's here at the, at the control uh, desk and, you know, things that she had to do. She had to step out and, and leave her home and to leave her environment and leave family. And, and there's people that were good intentioned people. But they, they, they stood against her. And they didn't even know they were standing against her. And they opposed her. And they might have even ridiculed her. But and, 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 and they didn't understand what she was going through. They didn't understand what she needed. And so rather than encouraging her and be supportive of her, they, they became in opposition. Maybe not verbally. Maybe not even personally. But they, they stood in opposition because they weren't supportive of what God wanted to do. And folks, listen, there's more than one way to stand in opposition. Uh, say, for instance, I, I have a friend that's, that says, listen, God's called me to the mission field. And I say, well, you know what? Maybe I'm not supportive. And, 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 and so I, I don't say I'm not supportive. I say, well, that's real great. But being supportive, it says, listen, you're going to the mission field, so I'm going to be supportive of you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to financially sow into what's going on. There may not be much, but I'm going, to, I'm going to stand with you. What does that do to that person? That, that knows that I'm encouraging them, but what you're going to find is many times people that, that are good intention, they'll stand in opposition. So the, the tendency when that happens to you, when you're not getting that, you're getting opposition that doesn't even oftentimes look like opposition, but it's, it's opposition in the form of a lack of support from people, whether it's emotional, spiritual, financially, whatever. The tendency is to try to defend yourself or to try to make someone else understand that which is so intimate to you and so personal between you and the Lord Jesus Christ that they would never be able to understand it anyway. That there's nothing that you could verbalize to them to show them, listen guys, I'm not missing God. This is what God has spoke to me. This is what God has said. Well, how do you know? I just know. Well, tell me why. Give me A, B, C, and D. Give me point one, two, three. Listen, it's, it's, it's so much more intimate than those things. It's so much more intimate than, than, than anything that I could define. It's so, something more intimate than anything that I could verbalize. It's, it, it's, it's, it's knowing in my heart what God has said. Then, folks, what can I say? If God is for me, 
Who can be against me? If I have that intimate knowledge of that God's will is being accomplished in my life, it doesn't matter that, that I'm going through things. It doesn't matter that I'm being opposed. It doesn't matter that I'm, I'm, I'm having to deny myself. It doesn't matter that God is unearthing all these things in my life that I thought He had already unearthed. I'm having to deal with these things that I already thought. It doesn't matter about those things. Why? Because I, I know that I'm not having to defend myself against the, 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 the persecution of someone else. I'm not having to defend myself against the, 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 the opposition of someone else. Why? Because I know that inside of me, what shall I say then? What shall I say when I know Him, when I've spent that time in prayer? What shall I say then when I know that I've heard the voice of God? What shall I say then when the still small voice is resonating in my spirit? What shall I say then? It doesn't matter their wagging tongues or their deceitful looks. It doesn't matter their opposition. God, if then I have the confidence that I'm walking in the obedience to the justification that you have brought into my life by faith in the work of the cross and I'm living as one who is in pursuit of that promise of glorification that will be you and not anyone else who proves these things out in my life. And folks, really what you've got to do in those cases is really just shut up and stand upon the Word of God. You can't, you can't swat at those things. You can't defend yourself against those things. You can't say, well, I want you to understand those things because they are so intimate. It is what you shall say then. What you shall say then when God speaks. What you shall say then when you sought the face of God. What shall you say then? Folks, if God be for me, then who can be against me? It's, not, it, it's meant to carry you through the problems, not to carry you around the problems. Do I need to say that again? And so if you're looking at that and you're standing on the promises of if God be for me, then who can be against me? Don't think that it's going to carry you around any problems. Don't think it's going to cause you to avoid the problems. What it's going to do, it's going to enable you to, to, to meet that problem or that situation or that persecution or that opposition or that lack of understanding on someone else's part. It's going to allow you to meet those things head on but with the right vantage point. The vantage point of saying, listen, I'm going to go through these things. That if I'm walking righteously in Christ Jesus, I'm going to endure these things. Many of the afflictions of the righteous. These things are just the inheritance of the believer. These things are things that I may have to go through. But man, God, if you be for me, who can be against me? If you're the one that has spoken to me, God, regardless of what I have to endure, I count these things all joy that I might win Christ Jesus. If God's for you, folks... Who could be against you? If this is in verse 32, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit. I don't have much time, but I want to touch on it just for a second. It says in verse 32, it says that, that he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not in all these uh, uh, also freely give us all things? He, speaking of God, did not even spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Do you hear me, folks? Why? And how shall we not with him also freely give all things? Folks, listen. When he says he spared not his own son, he's talking about what he did for us in Christ Jesus, the enabling factor of the blood of Jesus. And he did that. He, what he did is he, 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 he did not spare him. He did not entreat him in any other way. He, he allowed him to go through those things, to endure the persecutions, to endure those sufferings, to endure those things. Why? Because so he could show us that he is for us, that, that he is for us even to the degree that he would allow his son Jesus to bear upon all the problems and the persecutions and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the problems associated with those sufferings of this present time to bring us to that place of glorification. I just touched on that just for a second to kind of give the setup for tomorrow. Folks, we're totally out of time here today. But I, I encourage you, listen, know that when, what should we say then? when we, we're willing to walk in holiness and righteousness. I encourage you, if you've been participating in our time of prayer and fasting, to continue to endure that. Press on. I, I know for, for myself, I, I started 
right after the first after Christmas and, and really just, uh, uh, just denying myself, bringing my body under subjection physically through depriving myself of, of solid foods. And it's, it's not about doing without food. It's, it's doing without the flesh. It's doing without the things, the, the wants. And I can tell you, and ask you to press on through. Maybe you're at that point you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can make it. You can make it. Hold on, as we've been talking about lately. Hold on and press on through that, that God, the answer is on the way. Hold on that, that your, your deliverance or your healing is on the way. Hold on. It may just be one more day or two more days or whatever it is that God is calling you to. But just hold on. The promises of God are there and that point that you're going to come to that place of realization. Don't stop short. Don't fight like one that is just beating their hands in the air swatting at that gnat on your face. But fight and run as the one that's going to finish that race that you can say, yes, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, not only for me, but to those that would love His appearing. Those that would love His glorification. Not just His justification, but His glorification. Folks, listen, we're going to be back right here tomorrow at 9 o'clock a.m. for another uh, class uh, in the the study of the book of Romans. And we're going to be at verse 32 tomorrow. And don't forget tonight, we're going to be back in in an hour of of intercessory prayer tonight at 9 o'clock p.m. Tonight through Saturday night from 9 to 10 p.m. if you're listening to us live. We want to know what your prayer requests are. If you have those, please send those to us at pray at biggrace.com, pray at biggrace.com, and we'll bring those prayer requests up to you. Whatever it is in your life, your family, your church, your ministry, this morning, Revelation, we want to pray for you and stand with you by name tonight with our team of international intercessors tonight at 9 o'clock p.m. Folks, I just got one bit of advice to you tonight as we close out today's show. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.